0: This is an NC Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Welcome to the NC Baptist podcast. The podcast designed to engage with ministry leaders around topics that will explore approaches and resources to help us be on mission together. It's because of your generosity that this resource is available. Learn more at ncbaptist.org give or contact us at communications at ncbaptist.org. All
1: right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the NC Baptist podcast. This is Terry Long, your church health and revitalization strategist. And I'm Sandy Marks, your pastoral
2: strategist.
1: Our guest today is Keelan Cook. Keelan, introduce yourself. Tell us where you work. Tell us where you play. And tell us who you live with.
2: Yeah. So my name is Keelan Cook. Uh, I actually direct the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Seminary. That's our mission center uh, there at the seminary. I teach missions there as well. Uh, Married. My wife's name is Meredith. She happens to be who I live with. Uh, We've got two children as well that are little. Nora just very recently had her fourth birthday. So i got a four-year-old now. And uh, we've got another one that's two. His name's Ezra, so that's the family. Uh, And we do probably what most everybody else around Wake Forest does to hang out and have a good time. You've got a couple of parks there. You've got all kinds of things. We're constantly chasing children, so that's a big piece of it at this phase.
1: Awesome, man. Well, today we are talking about gentlemen, pastoral health. Just tell me, both on the regional and national level, Keelan, and then also just with NC Baptist, uh, Sandy, what are some trends that you guys are seeing in the landscape right now with pastoral health?
2: Yeah, so if we're talking trends and pastoral health, uh, as I think through it, there's kind of three things that pretty quickly come to mind for me uh, that are broad trends in general. So uh, the biggie in the eye chart probably is the fact that we're just in a season of overall church decline right now. So if you're thinking nationally, and uh, we've all heard statistics, that get tossed around all the time on this particular issue. Uh, some say as low as 6 in 10 Others will go up to eight out of 10 churches, or either plateaued or declining by some kind of metric. Usually it's um, membership or attendance metrics that people would use to, to gauge whether or not that's the case. And so you're in an environment right now for pastors where if the majority of churches are plateaued or declined, that means the majority of pastors are presently serving in a context where it's not growing, it's at best stalled. Or perhaps they're, despite what they're doing, looking around and trying to figure out how to engage well and do what they're supposed to be doing, and and it doesn't quite seem to be accomplishing what they may want it to accomplish. So one big trend is just the fact that we're now ministering in an environment nationally where overall churches are in decline. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, outside the church, though, I think another trend that we're seeing right now is reputational decline, uh, specifically, I mean, for for the church in general, uh, but specifically for the pastor. So there was a point not too long ago where even if people didn't attend church, if they bumped into a pastor in a grocery store or at the coffee shop, this was a person that they thought of as uh, reputable, trustworthy. Uh, pastors enjoyed a bit of Uh, reputational authority in the community, and so even if I wasn't a big fan of church or for some reason I wasn't a part of it, when I I met a pastor, I thought positively of them. Well, study after study nowadays has started to confirm what we've all feared on that point, that that's not the case anymore. Uh, Your average pastor, when they go into a Starbucks or they go into that coffee shop today, they're they're running into people that view them skeptically. Uh, Now, there's a bit of a sea change in the culture as far as that's concerned. It's true of the church overall, but it's also true of that pastor who serves as a bit of a, a focal point for that. Their pastor or ministry is somewhat the embodiment of church, which is now viewed pretty skeptically. And there's uh, a number of you know, bad headlines about pastors and moral failure and things that tend to solidify that point. So you've got pastors who are pastoring inside the church in an environment of decline, outside the church. They're dealing with reputational decline. And then on top of that, pastors are in a situation today where it's getting harder and harder uh, just to meet their own basic physical needs. There was a report very recently came out by Lifeway Research talking about the stagnation of pastoral wages and pay. Uh, It was pretty significant information. So I think the, the study, if I remember right, was from 2018 to 2022. And over that time, I think inflation had risen by about 17 or 18 percent. So it cost almost 20 percent more to live now than it did then. And pasture pay had risen by 0.2 percent. Now, when you look at their it got worse actually when you look at the overall benefits including their like retirement their medical and all that kind of stuff that actually lost a couple of percentage points the total package was a little lower than it had been in 2018 and so that's a good 20 percent hit to the average pastor's uh, living wages Uh, that makes things hard on the home front and so it really seems, if we're talking inside the church, if we're talking outside the church in the community, or even inside the home right now, pastors have got a lot of trends that are really pushing against their well-being.
1: Yeah. Sandy, so obviously everything that Keelan's sharing, talking about an immense amount of pressure, just all kinds of layers that go with that. You've been a pastor for a long time in North Carolina, North Carolina Baptist, and pastors invited you in your current position. Tell us, what are they feeling? What, what are they sharing with you?
3: Yeah, I think what Keelan shared is right on uh, in North Carolina. We, we have pastors. I think the big thing is just struggling with identity. Mm. You know, I love what you said about the truth about them being perceived by the world differently. Uh, you know, it used to be pastor got the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. that's not anymore. So you're dealing with that from the outside. And on the inside, it's hard not to internalize the decline. You know, what's wrong with me? You know, what, what am I doing wrong? What can I do better? You know, pastoring carries a tremendous amount of weight and emotional strain to begin with, and you add that on top of it, it just makes it almost unbearable, you know, to endure at times. We're seeing a lot of pastors live in that. Now, I know we saw statistics, you know, historically where even as many as 1,700 were leaving the ministry monthly. We found that that's not true. Uh, But what we have found is even though they may not be leaving ministry, pastors aren't quitters. They're not leaving ministry, but it's certainly at a place where where they're not enjoying that call, you, mm-hmm. you know, the way we should. You know, pastoring's always been hard. You know, it's always been a difficult task. You look in Scripture, being God's leader has always been a demanding call. But coupled with that, there's always been a sense of joy, you know, and excitement to serve the Lord, to serve his church. I mean, what better honor than to serve the bride of Christ? No, no so, doubt. You know, there's great joy that comes with that, but you add all of that— Additional emotional baggage and weight—it's—it's it's hard not to internalize that and just be discouraged. I mean, just be discouraged. And you add that, like Keelan said, with the financial aspect, it just makes us wonder as pastors: where where is our worth? What is the the benefit of this? How can I sort of muster through this? And I just think ministry is meant to be something that is enjoyed and and, and rejoiced in and not something that's done out of just sort of drudgery. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, And I think that's what we see a lot. The task of ministry has really become a duty more than a joy in a lot of circumstances. Absolutely.
1: So Keelan, obviously at Southeastern, you know, you have students that have never been in pastoral ministry, and then you have guys that are in pastoral ministry and have been in there for a long time. Let's talk about that latter group what are those guys confiding in you and your personal relationships with the struggles of their, of their pastoring right now
2: yeah so it is unfortunate at this point the number of conversations I have had either in my office or uh, out doing ministry or working alongside students or you know after class at some point in time where I'll have pastors that do they sit down and they kind of confide in me a level of hopelessness uh, find themselves in a situation where they're they're stuck between for instance say this pastor pay issue and a congregation that doesn't have the resources or means to take care of them, and they really don't know what to do about that. Uh, So that's often a situation. Or they find themselves in conflict in their church. There will be some form of conflict going on. Perhaps it's two different groups in the church. One side wants to do this, and another side wants to do that, and they get stuck in the middle of it. And so you hear stories about those kind of circumstances and situations all the time. Now, a lot of that's not new to pastoral ministry now. That's just some of the natural uh, consequence, some of the natural responsibility of having to shepherd God's flock uh, but when you put it down into the context that we find ourselves yeah. in today, what used to be the normal wear and tear, that normal burden that a pastor felt for shepherding the flock, surrounded by the additional stressors that we find our environment creates, it, it starts to turn into conversations about burnout.
1: Tell me from a Southeastern standpoint, as you prepare the future pastors um, or even the ones that are current pastors, I'm assuming there's been a shift in having a couple of degrees from Southeastern myself, I've even seen that shift where it's not just all book study. It's not just all going through doctrine, but you guys are actually walking through, I'm sure, case studies and real life situations. Tell me how Southeastern has shifted and what you're continuing to do to help prepare those guys in their current ministry and then going into ministry and and, and pastoral burnout.
2: Yeah, no doubt. So, there's two or three things kind of informally uh, that we're trying to accomplish right now at the seminary as far as uh, training guys into pastoral ministry for the present environment that we find ourselves in, right? So um, one of those is a little more frank and open conversations about some of these uh, spiritual health, spiritual formation, and even emotional health conversations that we're, we're sitting here having right now. Um, Talking to guys about the expectation, because a lot of it's going to center around expectations in my mind. Talking to guys about the expectation to move into these kind of environments and being able to diagnose not just other people's, but your own burnout, your own compassion fatigue, and some of these kind of things that often find themselves being at play. So how do we help them, equip them to be able to think better or think well through those kind of things uh, without falling in the other ditch of becoming self-centered in the ministry, right? That's right. We don't want to become me-centric in our ministry. That's not good pastoral ministry. But at the same time, we want pastors to be able to know their own spiritual health, emotional health, physical health, the health of their family, and how they're doing all of those things. So so some of it is conversations that surround those kind of things. We do that a lot through some of our extracurricular activities or mentoring or some of those kind of uh, opportunities that we have at the seminary. In addition, just in general, uh, one of the things I feel like we're trying to get across in the way we talk to students about pastoral ministry in the 21st century, A lot of guys, I think, come in with an idealistic understanding of what pastoral ministry is, and perhaps they think they're going to pastor a healthy church. Some of them may, but that some is the minority, not the majority, because of that statistic we talked about in the beginning. The majority of churches right now are in some form of decline. If that's the case, then the majority of Circumstance, The normative experience for a guy uh, coming out headed into ministry is not, hey, I'm going to go land in a church that's blowing and going. I'm going to go land in this church over here that is vibrant and fruitful and healthy. And, and uh, ministry is just going to be this fun ride of excitement as we start baptizing 22 people a week. Um, that's just not yeah. the normative experience for guys right now. And so helping people understand as they're coming into seminary with a calling toward pastoral ministry that right now for the majority of you pastoral ministry is revitalization and so you need to think if I'm called to pastoral ministry I'm probably not I might be I'm probably called to moving into a situation where renewal is going to be necessary and so setting that expectation on the front end and casting a vision to guys pastoral ministry right now in this moment that we find ourselves in it likely means you're now a church revitalizer whether you know it or not
3: yeah absolutely and i think a big part of that is understanding that you're you're going into a church where there's drastic culture change that needs to happen and if we're not caring for ourselves as that pastor spiritually if we're not having that community if we're not having our spiritual disciplines our walk with the lord is not growing uh, then what's going to happen is that unhealthy culture of a church that needs revitalization is going to take its toll on us as pastor jump into that because
1: sandy that's one of your your sweet spots in just understanding that emotional health and being able to balance things um, I believe the three of us were at a recent conference at Southeastern where it was shared. You know, the landscape has changed, especially in the last 20 years. It used to be in every organization, but especially in pastoring churches, 80% IQ and 20% EQ, right? Yeah. Now that's flipped. It's really 20% IQ, what you know and what you can understand and just your competency, and 80% EQ, your emotional health. So, Sandy, really in in your sweet spot Talk to us for a second about the balance on a pastor helping to have the right rhythms to set up their EQ, set up their emotional health.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. I was asked the other day, what's the most important attribute in a pastor other than the calling of of God? I think it's just self-awareness. Yeah, Uh, You know, being aware of where we are, being able to assess where we are spiritually, where we are physically, emotionally, and being able to uh, be honest with that and deal with that, you know, personally. Because, you know, as leader, we have to help our congregations process through all of those areas, emotional, uh, you know, spiritual, physical, all of those things. And so if we're not at a point where we can be honest about where we are and strive to make those adjustments moving forward, then I think we're just going to be eaten alive in that culture. Amen. Uh, Absolutely. And so I think it's vital for us as pastors to understand where we are in our Place in life um, where we are emotionally in order to deal with those issues that are there.
1: One handle, give me one thing a pastor can do right now to help their emotional state, their spiritual state.
3: Set boundaries. When I think about pastoral wellness, I think about pastoral rhythms, you know, understanding what we can do, what we can't do. I just had a great conversation with a pastor about two weeks ago that came off a sabbatical. Well, one of the things he came away from that sabbatical learning was that, hey, I'm not Superman. Yeah. I've realized that I'm not Superman. I can't continue this pace. You know, pastoral ministry is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You know, and we're hoping and praying for pastors to have longer tenures. We know having longer tenures as pastors is to the health benefit of the pastor as well as the congregation. And so pacing ourselves and understanding and setting those boundaries and making self-care a priority. is is a big thing. You know, recreation and replenishing, those are theological words. Uh, You know, and that's one of the things that's a passion of mine, is just helping a pastor understand that stepping away, unplugging for a day here and there consistently is going to go a long ways in allowing you to stay into this race. And that's a theological concept.
2: That's good. Yeah, I really like that self-awareness. That's that's an important piece. Uh, In addition to that, one of the things I tend to tell guys in a space like this Don't pastor alone. Don't pastor alone. Now, we're not all necessarily blessed with a a big staff. That's not what I mean. Uh, I don't necessarily mean you've got to move to a plurality elder model. That's not what I'm talking about here. When I say don't pastor alone, uh, we're presently in an environment where I think the pastoral ministry role, just like everything in life, uh, life is more performant now than it used to be we're all on social media. Everybody's got Twitter and Facebook and we all kind of splay our lives out in front of everybody in such a way nowadays that we develop a persona, whether we meant to or not. And in doing so, you create a bit of a facade and pastors, especially because they stand up above everybody on a, on a stage. Uh, they're, in the eyes of their congregation on a regular basis. And so we're very performant in that role if we're not careful. And as we do that, it becomes harder and harder and harder to let other people in, to know the struggles that we have, to know the things going on in our life, to know the particular burnout points, the stressors that we may have. And that creates a recipe for disaster. A secret sin hides behind a performant pastorate. And so what we've gotta be able to do is have other people that have eyeballs on our life. And that may be other people in your congregation, may be other leaders. If you have a plurality model or you've got other staff that's in that, that setting, or it may be leaning into the relationships that you have, say at the state convention or in your local association, other pastors in your area that you've got in a situation where you can have open fellowship open honesty and accountability. It's so crucial uh, for pastors to be able to engage in a moment like this well.
3: I love what Paul David Tripp says Mm -hmm. in his book, Dangerous Calling. We often, as pastors, find ourselves in the body, but not getting the benefits of the body. Yes. You know, one of the benefits of the body is that accountability. Hey, you are doing too much. You know, you need to set boundaries and you need to make yourself a priority. And we need that community as pastors to keep us at that place and keep us honest.
1: That's good. Guys, I'm going to press a little bit deeper. We kind of kept it on the modern level right now. Let's talk about spiritual confidence. You know, there's one thing as we go deeper that's undergirding everything in the spiritual warfare aspect. Keelan, what I love about Southeastern, you guys have really had an opportunity with Dr. Chuck Lawless's ministry to really understand when it comes to revitalization, when it comes to the current church, um, that there is a spiritual element, that there we're in a battle, that it, it undergirds everything. So if Dr. Lawless was sitting here, we'd have him in that other chair. He's All not... Right. So you're going to have to play Dr. Lawless. I want the full like you need to sound like him and everything. And so, because I want him to watch this podcast, and we'll we'll get a rating system. <laughs> there. If if Dr. Lawless was sitting here and he were to say one thing that undergirds all of this and something we need to be aware of, what would he say for the the undergirding of the entire conversation?
2: Yes, yeah, so one word: prayer. And it's so frequently, I think, just glossed over, right? Like mm-hmm. we hear that and everybody does the head nod. Oh, yeah, no, it's prayer, it's prayer, it's prayer. And then we try to move on to the, but what are the steps, the action steps, the practical things that I got to do in order to pull this, mm-hmm. pull this off? And slow your roll, step back and realize there's something to the way the scriptures talk about prayer. And there's something to having the whole thing bathed in that, having your whole ministry founded and established on the kind of relationship, the kind of abiding that we see in the book of John that comes from a rich and fruitful prayer life. Amen. It, it has to be there. And I think too often today we've made prayer a, a thin concept instead of a thick one. Amen. And we need to recapture that idea. Yeah.
3: Yeah, jump in. I, I, yeah. I just love it. Relationship, I think, is is a big thing, and as we nurture our relationship with Christ, mm. you know, it enables us to maintain proper relationships with our congregation. You know, I've noticed in my own personal walk when when me and God are struggling, me and other folks struggle mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as well. But when when me and God are in tune and we're I'm developing and nurturing that relationship. Man, I can get along with folks a whole lot better, <laughs> yeah. you, you know. So I think that's a big part of it. We lose that in ministry sometimes. I like to say it this way: we can hide from God in ministry. Mm. We can hide from God with just busyness, with meetings, Bible studies, uh, all of those programs that we, you know, help run, and all those things we're involved in. It provides great cover uh, in our and trying to hide from God.
1: Amen. Sandy just got of what Keelan's his his. uh just undergirding conversation. When a pastor is in prayer and understands the spiritual warfare that's going on, he understands his enemy, but he also understands who is for him and who is fighting for him, that it's literally the risen Jesus Christ that's fighting for him, And that he's the one that's called him into the place and the position and even provided everything from his creation, but also his calling to be specifically where he's at. When that happens for a pastor, what have you seen that does for his confidence to lead through those tough times? Yeah, I
3: think it gives him a couple of things. I think, number one, it does give him that confidence, but it gives him the patience. Mm. You know, leadership is a journey. Leadership is a process. Uh, We too often want to come in and immediately, you know, take church from here to here, but understanding it's it's nurturing and understanding it's a process. Understanding it's His church, you know, ultimately, and it's His time.
1: Amen. Uh,
3: and, and so just being patient, faithful day by day, you know, in our walk with Him and in our relationship and our leadership. And and God's going to build His church. That's God's awesome. going to build His church.
1: Great stuff, guys. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we'll share helpful resources available to churches and pastors.
2: Every year, churches across North Carolina give generously to missions through the North Carolina Missions Offering. NCMO helps support the work of church planters, disaster relief workers, and other ministries. It helps fuel missions efforts that extend across the state and around the world. Your gift to NCMO provides relief for today and hope for tomorrow to those who need it most. Because of your generosity, thousands are able to receive care for their needs and hear the message of the gospel. Give today at GiveNCMO.com.
1: All right, well, welcome back after our break. Pre-break, we were having a conversation laying the groundwork for pastoral health, some of the issues across the culture, some ways that we're trying to see that combated both at Southeastern with NC Baptist Guys, I want to bring our conversation down to the local church level. One practical thing that each of you can see that a church could do to help their pastor's health.
2: What you got, Santa?
3: I think the first one for a pastor, there's nothing that encourages a pastor more than caring for his family. Uh, You know, I think you can do that certainly by, you know, doing as well as you can do to compensate them well, but also just loving on his family, uh, you know, and encouraging them. encouraging the children and you know just being a part of the family really encouraging them and then I would just like to see churches encourage churches to take initiative and be an advocate for him that's good you know just encourage him how, how are you doing you know I, I know we're going through a lot I know you're, you're you're dealing with a lot and uh you know with the issue that Keelan brought up with the church numbers declining I, I know it's hard you know not to take that personally how are you doing pastor? you know, and just sitting down and having a conversation, you know, not talking about programs at the church, not talking about how things are going at the church. Just simply, Pastor, how are you and your family doing? Awesome. Keelan?
2: Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing for the fences here. Uh, what is a thing, a practical thing that churches could do to, to take better care of their pastor, to encourage their pastor? Uh, and I'm going to throw out the word sabbatical. Hmm. Now, that's a that's a touchy topic in some churches, uh, and a lot of churches think they don't have the resources, the ability to do something like that. I'm not suggesting you need to give your pastor a five-week all-expense vacation to the Caribbean. That's not what I mean. But I'm not you saying might s- be open to Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be open to that. Me too. Pastors probably open to yeah. that too. So the idea could be as simple as just let it be okay that he's not there for a few weeks. Yeah. Give him a few weeks where you're still paying a salary. I'm not telling you to give him a bonus. I'm just saying pay a salary. And find some pool bit supply and let him have some time dedicated for he and his family for rest and renewal. Damn. And you may say, hey, I, he's got vacation built in there. Sure he does. But the unique blessing of being able to find a bit of time, I would make it even maybe an extended period of time every couple of years or so. Give him a bit of time where he can have that and listen, if you need help with pulpit supply, call us up at Southeastern. Uh, we've got all kinds of guys that would be willing to come down and fill your pulpit uh, for a few weeks, just so that you can give your pastor an opportunity to have that dedicated time of refreshing.
3: Yeah, that's a great word, Terry. And one of the things we provide here is NC Baptist is we partner with churches to help provide those sabbaticals for pastors. Mm. If they'll give three weeks and, and commit five hundred bucks to their pastor's sabbatical, then we'll match that 500 bucks. Excellent. And uh, we can even call on Southeastern and get the free pulpit supply. Those guys are just ready to preach. Amen. So that's a great word. Thank you, Kellen, for bringing that up. Southeastern NC Baptist putting the money where the mouth is, man. I love that.
2: That's it. We love seeing pastors stay healthy. And I've got a whole lot of guys up in the seminary that would love a shot in a pulpit. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty easy thing to do if we just just try to do it right you
1: guys have actually vetted them and coached them a little bit they're little not bit. Just, okay that's good <laughs> that's good that's now, good this is how we vet them yeah. we just throw Coach them in,
2: we yeah. send them into your church then we ask how no i'm kidding yeah. completely kidding. so if you're
1: one of those churches giving your pastor sabbatical make sure you take a video and send it back in
2: exactly they, you know. they'll get a grade <laughs> that's right that's good
1: that's good all right guys we had a lot of fun today it's been a lot of a lot of fun being with you great conversation let's take it to the personal level most of the guys that listen to this are our local church pastors um, they're listening right now. They're right in their car. They're um, you know, about to get on a plane or, or whatever they're doing. One encouragement, one personal encouragement from you to them, Keelan.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to sneak into um, first, and we talked about this a bit earlier, recall where your true identity lies. Yeah. Recall where it lies. You, Your identity is found in Christ. It's not found in your position. It's not found in your platform. It's Amen. not found in any of those things. And so when those things feel like they're faltering, your identity is safe because it's located in Christ, and he doesn't falter. Amen. So that's that's thing one. Thing two, reevaluate your goalposts. That's a good thing for us all to do in general, periodically anyways. And it's very easy nowadays for us to have our success metrics and our goalposts on things that social media would tell us or things that some kind of church growth goal or some kind of book or article somewhere told you this is really what you need to be aiming for. Just reevaluate those things. Really, really ask yourself some hard questions about what does make for good goalposts in pastoral ministry in a normative church.
1: That's good stuff, Keelan, and I really appreciate the cat-in-the-hat references with thing one thing two as well. So, Sandy, <laughs> I'll, what's I would
3: say very simple for a pastor. You, you know, I remember one of the most pivotal times for me, uh, at a point of really discouragement, just taking a day, just taking a day, taking a copy of God's Word, mm. go to a park, uh, go to a, some area where you can just be alone with God. And, and just allow some personal worship. It's amazing just what a day of clarity with the Lord can bring to you. Uh, I, I think it will show you some things, you know, about uh, honest reflection about where you are. And, and will help you begin to make some changes in your life to set those boundaries, to make different priorities, uh, and set different expectations. But the first step, I think, is just spending that time with the Lord. Take a day, be alone with the Lord, allow Him to speak to you.
1: Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for the conversation today. Thank you to you that are listening today, to our listeners. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being with us. You can find out more information specifically on a lot of things that Sandy talked about on our website, ncbaptist.org. Go to the ministry drop down and then pastoral wellness. NC Baptist, you can listen to more NC Baptist podcasts just like this one at ncbaptist.org backslash podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in today.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Because of your generosity to NC Baptist, this podcast, along with other helpful resources, are made available for you. Learn more by visiting ncbaptist.org/gift.